Jamie Summers from Afternoons with Heart and Humor. Something you may not know about me is I'm really conscious of what I put in my body. So I eat healthy, try to stay as active as possible. That's also why I was so excited when I heard that Dr. Kellum at the Kellum Stem Cell Institute is able to retrieve my own stem cells and place them exactly where I need them most with focused infusions. If you're ready for something more effective and a healthier way to heal, get more information at KellumStemCellInstitute.com. Hey, it's Doug with an opportunity to find out more about marriage, but not just any marriage, the grace marriage, how the gospel and intentionality transforms your relationship. That happens to be the title of the book of the authors we're going to be speaking with, Brad and Marilyn Rhodes. Thank you so much for making time. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Well, this is cool. So we get to talk about marriage with a couple that is married to each other. And uh, I'm assuming that the origin of this book may have come out of some personal experiences or what was sort of the genesis for writing this? Well, it was um, definitely our our story has absolutely led into us writing this book. We, we, we jumped into marriage and did not dive in well, would you say, Brad? Yeah, I would say I effectively went from her favorite person in her world to her least favorite person in the world <laughs> and back to her favorite person in the world in two years. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's true. So we, we, um, we kind of, the honeymoon was over before the honeymoon was over. We really even started struggling on the honeymoon. And so much of it was our approach to marriage. And it it led to fighting. Felt like we were on a roller coaster. And I'm a pretty even-keel person by nature, but marriage took us on this roller coaster. And it was because both of us were just looking for in marriage what we wanted, not what God was calling us to give. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we were where a lot of couples are, and it's like the... One spouse is like miserable, isolated, and the other spouse is like, hey, everything's fine. You know, you just need to relax and look, you're just making a big deal of everything. And if you'd settle in, we'd be okay. But um, yeah, we were kind of that yeah. stuck place that a lot of couples are. We just wanted to help couples get unstuck and say, look, you don't have to just settle into some norm you have to learn to tolerate. You can get out of that place and you can get into a growth track where marriage becomes just one of the most fun things in your life. So what do you think was something that contributed to that? Was it that both of you came in with different uh, perceptions or misperceptions of what marriage was going to be? What would you have wanted to go back in time and tell yourself before the I do's? Well, you actually have to pay a lot of attention to your wife to have a decent marriage. You just can't get married and go about life and hope she's okay with it, you know, that uh, that you actually have to invest in something if you want any return in it. And I had a lot of strategies for the law practice, a lot of strategies for my business. I had zero strategy for my marriage. And as a result, my law practice and business went well and my marriage went flat. And I came in and then I was lonely. Like I thought our marriage was going to be this picture perfect marriage that, and it should be easy. He's going to be my Prince Charming. I mean, we watch all the movies and you buy into all of that and you take that perspective and expect your spouse, you wouldn't say it, but to just know how to love you well naturally and then take it personally. And I was in, so it was, it was a roller coaster for sure. And about a year in, I, the Lord broke my heart to it because I was just crying out, am I sentenced to a life of this? Like I'm miserable. And and that's when the Lord really showed me, I'm your hope, not Brad, and you've put him in my place. Because a lot of people are expecting from marriage what it can't give. And when I sh- 
shifted my perspective on blaming him and focus on him and trying to get him to change. And I mean, I went to him and said, I'm sorry. I'm, I've put you in the place of God, and I, that's, he's where my joy is, and um, will you forgive me? I'm just going to focus on how I'm called to love you, and it's going to change everything. And I just, that was that was a huge piece of the shift, would you say, Brad? Yeah, absolutely. And that, that brought us to stable, but we still weren't great because I was still there in the house. So God broke me and just basically, Scripture says, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave his life up for her. And I kind of realized, you know, I did whatever I wanted. I joined softball leagues, basketball leagues, developed business, everything else. But I, I certainly wasn't giving anything up for Maryland. And when I kind of shifted to saying, okay, we're going to have a good marriage. We're going to have fun together. We're going to date. I'm going to help you. We're going to talk. We're going to do specific things. It's like our marriage changed instantaneously when we started both really put an emphasis mm-hmm. on it. Because right. unless you set out to grow something, it doesn't grow. That's right. I think it- – I think we trip up on, and just in society, we know we have to work hard at parenting, in our jobs, and everything else in life, but we think marriage should just work and be easy, and it's not. Anything that's important in life, we have to work at. Totally agree. Well, the book is called The Grace Marriage, and so then you sort of juxtapose that with performance-based marriage. Can you unpack the two of those and kind of contrast them for us? Sure. In a performance-based marriage, it's like really how you treat your spouse depends on how you perceive you're being treated. So, you know, I I come home, you give me a lot of attention, you're super nice to be, I'll be nice and connected with you. You raise your voice at me, you do something, I'll withdraw from you. And love's kind of given and taken away based upon the performance of the other. So, and then inevitably one spouse struggles and the other spouse takes offense and moves away. And then a a grace-based marriage is different. It's basically love is just given as a free gift of grace because grace was given to me as a free gift. I'll give it to you as a free gift. So kindness and service and gifts, just I choose to love you and I'm loving you not based on what you're doing or what you're not doing. I love you because I just said I will love you and I'll love you till death do us part. So it's it's the while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. And while you're yet a sinner, I'll die for you deal. And it's not that if you treat me well, I'll treat you deal. Treat you right. well deal. That's right. And What'd you just, add, Meryl? I just say, and when you get this shift of, okay, I'm going to, because we're called to in Scripture, our marriage is to be a picture of the gospel. And that's how it's put into practice is when I move towards Brad in love. And when you get grace, like it infuses life to every part of your marriage. It doesn't feel so heavy and um, where you're trying to change each other in this gridlock or in that place that you can just, it brings life. It brings life to all of it. And that's what Christ said. It came to give life, life to the full. And it can do that for your marriage. In a real practical example, like I, I tended not to get home exactly when I said I would get home from work. Mm-hmm. And we have five kids, and Marilyn would say, Brad, 15 minutes matters. Mm. <laughs> it's like mm. I'm, I'm, I'm drowning, and you just don't organize the pencils and get your desk ready before you leave, just get home. But I would inevitably get home late. And when I'd be late, I'd dread walking in because I just knew, man, I've got to come up with like a, some type of – got to make sound what happened to be some type of emergency so I don't get in too big of trouble. <laughs> and, and then uh, – and then when Marilyn got grace, she loved me the same whether I was on time or whether I was late. And, and, 
and I didn't I didn't dread getting home, and I got home late. I couldn't wait to walk in the door, and ultimately it made me want to be home on time because there was no pleasant, more grace-filled place than being around Maryland. So it was that's just a real real practical example. She didn't her interactions with me didn't depend on whether I did exactly what she wanted me to do. Not that we still address the issue and talk through it, but mm-hmm. no longer was love conditioned and how I was treated conditioned on what I did. Well, certainly I've learned in my marriage that uh, I need to understand how what I say is being received by the other person, you know, so our counselor will tell us like, well, you know, what do you think he said? What do you think she said? How do you receive that? So to unpack the word grace, I could imagine that folks maybe coming out of a wounded self um, have a misrepresentation of what grace is. So can we talk about what grace is not? That's a great grace is one. Not, is not, yeah. That's, go ahead, babe. Okay. It's not um, tolerating abuse or infidelity. It, that's not even grace to, to enable behaviors that are unhealthy or um, de- hurtful and damaging a relationship. But what grace is is in the day-to-day, the little things, not pattern things, but if we can extend each other grace because life's just hard. I mean, life throws a lot of hard things at us, you know, health issues work issues, um, grief, loss, all these things. If we can extend grace in those circumstances when we're struggling, because we're all going to struggle. Like, I have bad days, and Brad has bad days. and We had a stretch where I was, I was depressed for a year. Mm. And he did not expect from me or expect, just put these laws on me or ask me to perform in ways. He was just loving me. I saw him offer grace to me as I was hurting and forgot what it felt like to be happy. And I told him that after I got through that, I said, thank you for just loving me, extending me grace and not expecting me to do things because it would have buried me. And, and when you get grace, it's God's kindness that leads to repentance. And we've had couples say, I feel like if we do this, then it's just going to give my spouse the green light to be terrible. But no, when, when I'm short with Brad and I'm cranky or grouchy and he responds with kindness, I'm so quickly convicted. Mm. And, and we get over things so much faster. So it's just changed the whole atmosphere. And we still mess up and trip up, but we can laugh about it the next day when you get grace. And, and one thing it's not, too, to your question, is it's not ignoring ongoing issues. So it's not like, right. well, I just I can't ever bring anything up. And we talk about tough stuff, and when I'm offending Marilyn, we deal with it. But Marilyn's love for me and how she treats me is not conditioned on my performance. But we love each other and we love marriage too much just to let unaddressed issues plague us. For someone that's listening now and they're struggling in their marriage, but it comes from a standpoint of maybe they feel a little uh, unequally yoked. Maybe maybe they're, maybe one is not a believer or maybe one is not acting like a believer. Um, what advice or encouragement could, could you give to that person? One, I'd say it's, it's hard. And give yourself a lot of grace because it, it's really difficult when you're unequally yoked. And it's really difficult when you're trying hard and you feel like the other person isn't trying at all. At all. So it's... You know, one, really bask in the fact that you're the adopted son or daughter of Jesus Christ and you're delighted in and just seek sustenance and joy from them and don't make your joy, happiness, and everything dependent on marriage. And two, just seek wisdom from God and just seek to obey Him as you love your spouse and then find the joy and obedience to the Lord, not joy in the response of your spouse. And 
But it's a great question, and it is really hard when folks find themselves in that spot. Well, I certainly want to be respectful of the time. Is there uh, a nugget or nuggets that we missed that you definitely want to touch on before we go? I think that the fuel to be able to do this in your relationship is it's got to be grounded in spending a lot of time with the Lord because we have to be reminded of it on a regular basis. And like Brad said to the couple that they're unequally yoked. I mean, that is Christ is our lifeline to be able to to press on and to love um, and to serve in in those extremely hard circumstances, but also in the day-to-day of of regular marriage. It takes going to the Lord so that you can then extend that to your spouse. And, and spend time together. I mean, my goodness, most couples are so busy and distracted, they don't spend undistracted time together. And sowing reaping is a thing. If, you, if you'll spend three to five hours of undistracted one-on-one time, just the two of you together, you'll be shocked how many problems work themselves out. It's just mm-hmm. the busyness and distractedness of life squeeze out that relationship, and then it falls flat. So if you make space for that relationship, schedule your life around your marriage and not your marriage around your life. That's been the lifeline for us, too, is we've gone on a date once a week for the last 26 years. And that's going through five kids, colicky baby, all kinds of crises. But we just decided our marriage is important, and we're going to make time for it every single week without exception. And somebody mentored us to do that and, like, wore me out until I finally said yes. And it's been one of the biggest gifts we've had. Well, I I definitely receive that, and I do believe that, especially for the guys that would be listening, we at times as guys are wired to be problem solvers and fixers, and we invest in all of these other things, and then this marriage is off to the side. We're ridiculous to think that it doesn't deserve the same investment. Amen. And we're also in a child-centered culture that we're at all these kid things, so we (laughs) we can live just these lives where we're like ships passing in the night, and that's just not... That's the intentional piece that we talk about. I mean, it's, we have. We've been going on a date once a week for 26 years, and sometimes it's really hard. It feels like climbing a mountain, getting out the door to go, but I know it's worth it. Our marriage is worth it, and it's okay to miss a kid's event, to go on a date with your spouse. And we've got four daughters, and, if, and to be a good mother, to show them what it looks like to be a wife, well, me going and spending time with their dad and missing one of their things is actually being a good mother because it's showing them because our kids are going to follow what we do. Yeah, it's, most marriages fall in this functional coexistence state, which is two people working really hard to meet the responsibilities. And God gave us marriage as a gift, and it's a gift to richly enjoy, and like an oasis in the desert. So just break away and just have fun together, mm-hmm. enjoy one another, and then let the world watch two Christ followers having a blast and let that draw them to the gospel. I'm Jamie Summers from Afternoons with Heart and Humor. Something you may not know about me is I'm really conscious of what I put in my body. So I eat healthy, try to stay as active as possible. That's also why I was so excited when I heard that Dr. Kellum at the Kellum Stem Cell Institute is able to retrieve my own stem cells and place them exactly where I need them most with focused infusions. If you're ready for something more effective and a healthier way to heal, get more information at KellumStemCellInstitute.com. 